You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. called this uh, sermon series, I'm calling it Blessed, and it's a journey through the Beatitudes. And I want to start out this morning uh, by asking you if any of you uh, know who Mel Gibson is. Huh? Most, most men, we like those, he's kind of a man's man, and he has uh, made shows like Mad Max and Braveheart. Everyone, I say Braveheart, everyone says, yeah. Oh. And then first service, the women were going, well, we like him too, you know. <laughs> All right. And, and so, and then, he, and then he made this wonderful epic, epic movie called The Passion of the Christ. Yeah. And so The Passion of the Christ impacted millions of people all over the world. It's probably the best uh, portrayal of the Lord's crucifixion and his death at the Passion Week. That, than, than we've ever had, and, and it did a lot, a lot of good. So here's Mel Gibson. He's this man's man and, and tough guy. But in between all that, he made a, a, a movie, a woman. No, he didn't make a woman. But he made a movie that's titled What Women Want. And it's a chick flick. And anyone, raise your hand if you've seen it. And men, I know you, you don't want to, some of the men raising your hand. Yeah. You want to know what women want, right? And so, um, so you're, you, you watch this movie, and, and the thrust of it is that he's raised up, raised by his mother, and his mother was a showgirl in, in Las Vegas, and he was raised up with this mentality of, of it's all about me, and uh, he's kind of a male chauvinist, so he goes into the work world, workforce, and an accident that happens, he gets electrocuted through a, a, a what is it, hair dryer, blow dryer, and he ends up with this uh, horrible curse that he could read the he could hear the thoughts of a woman a blessing or a curse amen and so he didn't know what to do with it but a psychologist talked to him and said you know this could be a good thing and so he ended up using it for his advantage and he ended up uh, by the woman that got his job by using it to kind of come under her and actually take her out of her position and kind of manipulative and stuff like that. So in all his ways, it was all about himself. He was not very humble and not very meek. And I want to show a small clip of him at the end of the movie, and he's actually feeling very sorry for what he's done. And don't judge me for showing a chick flick clip (laughs) on Sunday morning. I might as well give it a try before I have to sell the place. Sell it? You're not selling the place. Can't afford to keep it. I don't have a job. You know, you ought to try returning some of your phone calls. You got your job back. Oh, do I? Yes, you're a real riot. You know that? It's true. Dan told me so himself. Why would he tell you that? I didn't do the job that he hired me to do. Even I don't blame him for firing me. Look, I'm, uh... Come on in. I don't have any chairs, but if you want to... What if I told you that you did everything that you were hired to do? Everything. But that someone was sabotaging you. 
picking your brain, swiping your ideas, and, well, you, you never even knew what hit you. How is that possible? Oh, trust me, it's possible. Who would do such an awful thing? I would. I was a dope with a corner office, and when you came with the job I was supposed to have, I mean, it didn't matter to me that you were better at it than me or you earned it more than I did. As far as I was concerned, it was mine, and I was going to do anything I could to get it back. And so I took advantage of you in the worst possible way. Have you ever done that? Taken the wrong road? No, of course you haven't. You, you wouldn't do that. It's just somebody like me does that. And uh, the problem with that was that while I was digging the hole under you, I found out all about you. And the more I found out, the more you dazzled me. I mean, shook my world, changed my life, dazzled me. And guys like that ex-husband of yours, I mean, he, he made you feel that the price you pay just for being you is that you don't get to have love. Isn't that what you were trying to say the other night? That you weren't complete, that you weren't really a winner like that. Everything about you, how smart you are, how good you are, Everything just makes me want you even more. And <laughs> Boy, it sort of looks like I'm here at one in the morning, being all heroic, trying to rescue you, but the truth is, I'm the one that needs to be rescued here. And all the women in the house went, oh. And all the men in the house went, yuck. I'm the one that needs to be rescued. We have to come to that place in our lives. You know, if we look at the Beatitudes and we've been looking at them as building blocks, the foundation is that we need to be poor in spirit. In other words, we need to be empty of ourselves so that God can fill us with him. Amen? It's not until you're empty with yourself that you really find true happiness because then God begins to fill you with his purpose and all of those different things. And then it says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are sorrowful for the life that they lived. And so you begin to look at sin for what it is and you begin to be sorry for the sin that maybe you've committed or sin that's been committed around you and you you mourn but you'll be comforted through the spirit of the living God and then we come to this place today and it says Jesus told his disciples remember he was talking to his disciples and he said blessed are the meek because the meek are going to inherit the earth wow blessed are the meek now, the, the Greek word for meek is praeus, P-R-A-U-S. And what that word means is that you're gentle and you're humble and you're courteous and you're considerate. 
And the crazy thing about that is that Jesus said, happy are those that are humble. Happy are those that are courteous. Happy are those that are considerate. Happy are those that put others first. And that's so against our philosophy. Or especially the world philosophy where it says, you need to get what belongs to you. You need to get your piece of the pie. You need to, to climb the mountain to the top and then you need to ah, boast about what you've done. And it goes so much against what Jesus said. Because the world says you're going to be happy when you get to the top. You're going to be happy when you got your piece of the pie. In fact, forget the piece of the pie. Get the whole thing. Because then you're really going to be happy. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Blessed are you when you're meek and when you're humble. Because then that's when you find out what happiness is all about. Jesus said something that we need to grab a hold of. He's looking at the multitudes. There's another time. Not the Beatitudes. Another time he's talking to the multitudes and he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, say it with me, I am, but that was weak. I am meek. meek. I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have you ever thought about this, that it is in the meekness of Jesus that we find peace and rest? It's in that gentleness, it's in that, it's in that spirit of, 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 of compassion and, and courteous that we find his rest? You know, we, we, we live in a world where work hard, work hard, do what you can, do all these things, and, and when, you, when you do it, you will rest in all that you have. But have you noticed that the more stuff we get, the more stuff that we do in our own self, the more busy you get, that there's no rest, there's no peace, and there's no happiness? True happiness comes in Jesus. True happiness comes in humility. And true happiness comes in the meekness of God. So I put four things together that I think will help us find happiness through the gentle spirit of Christ. And you have to know these four things. I, I believe it's important for us to know it. The first thing is meekness is not a natural quality. Meekness is not something that we make up or conjure up in our own selves. People are born with different dispositions. Some, Yet that is natural. So people have a different disposition. Some people are very nice. They're nice all the time, most of the time, right? Some people are grouchy all the time. Some people just, uh, they just do things, and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll maybe hit. My grandson, we call him Bam Bam now. We give him a name. He's, he's, a, he's a wonderful child of God, but he loves to hit. And so he can be looking at you with a smiling face, and here comes the left hook. Boom. And then he'll laugh. <laughs> That's his disposition. But can I tell you, nobody is born with a supernatural meekness that Christ has. 
The only way that you get this supernatural weakness is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, when you receive Jesus, when you have a born-again experience, then the Holy Spirit comes and he makes his abode in us. He begins to dwell in us. And the Holy Spirit produces fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit are these things. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and say it with me. Man, that was really weak again. And, and gentleness. Gent- that's meekness. And gentleness. And then goodness and faith. So you're not born with God's gentleness. Nobody's born with God's gentleness. That's a product of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the thing. You don't learn God's gentleness. And you don't emulate it from someone else. It's produced in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what it tells me is that everyone in here, every person in here, and I love it because I can look at my grandson and say, there's hope for Bam Bam. There's hope that we will become, every person that names the name of Christ has the ability to become gentle because the Holy Spirit dwells in every one of us. So, Pastor, how do I apply this first point? I would say this. Here's how you apply it. You embrace the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit this week, and you allow him to produce Christ's gentle spirit in your life. You've got to submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some people in here that you've had a hard time being gentle with other people because you're trying to do it in your own strength. And so you, you lash out, you say things, hurtful things to people that you regret. And the reason that you're doing that is because you're trying to live your life in your own ability. The reality is that we can't. You can't change your demeanor. You can't change the supernatural working of God in your own strength. You need him. And he produces gentleness. There are some people in here that maybe for a while you've been struggling with being gentle. You've been lashing out. You've been saying things. This is the day that the Lord has made for you to rejoice and be glad in it because he's got hope. He wants to work in your heart supernaturally to change that. Lloyd-Jones, I've been using a lot of, of, uh, M, of uh, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. I, I think it's one of the best commentaries on the Beatitudes. That's why I'm using it. He says, meekness is not a natural quality. It's not a matter of a natural disposition because all Christians are meant to be like this. It's not a matter of a natural disposition, he goes on again. It is something that is produced by the Holy Spirit of God. Tell your neighbor, you can be meek. You can be meek. Now look to the other neighbor and say, you can be gentle. You can be gentle. Every one of us has that ability because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Now, the second thing, you got to know that meekness is not weakness. To be meek does not mean that you become this weakling, that you don't have a backbone, that you don't have any strength. There are many people in the Bible that were meek and were full of strength. Abraham, the father of faith, was one of the meekest individuals to walk the earth. Abraham. And Lot, his nephew, went into Canaan. And Abraham looked at Lot and he said, You know what? I'm, I'm the elder, but you can have the choice of a land. Whichever land you take, I will take the other side. 
That's humility and meekness that did that. And so Lot took the one that looked the best, and he said, I'm going to take this. That wasn't meek right there, because what Lot should have said was, you know what, Abraham, you're the eldest. You're my elder. You take the choice, and I will take the other part. So Lot goes and takes the choice part, and then he goes into Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and Abraham showed his strength because he had to go rescue his nephew out of many, many ordeals. What about Moses? Moses was raised in the, in, the, in, in the courts of Pharaoh. He was raised as a daughter of Pharaoh. He had all the privileges. He could be whoever he want, wanted to be. And yet he humbled himself. When the burning, he saw the burning bush and God led him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, he humbled himself, himself and he did the work of God but he did it with great strength, showing the power of God working through him. And this is what the Bible says about Moses. It says, now the man Moses was very meek. He was so meek, he was more than all people who were on the face of the earth. is that amazing? Can I tell you the Bible doesn't lie? So Moses was a very meek individual. In fact, he was the meekest, the most humblest individual on the face of the earth. But Moses was not weak. And I tell you something, child of God, God has called you today. And God has called me today to be gentle. To have a gentle spirit, to have a, 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 a meek spirit. But he does not want me to walk in weakness. He wants me to walk in the strength of the Lord. Stephen, he stood up to the Sanhedrin. And yet he was humble and meek. And when they stoned him, he was the first one to be stoned as a Christian. And they killed him. Before he died, he said, looked up and he said, Lord Jesus, forgive them for their sins. And then he died. And the greatest example is Jesus our Lord. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being and when he appeared in human form. Look, let me tell you something. Meek is not weak. Meek is walking in the gentle spirit of God and having the backbone of God to get us through difficult times. So how do we apply this, Pastor? Don't allow misconceptions of meekness Distort the truth that meek is not weak. I want you to leave here today thinking meek and gentle is not weak. I need the strength of God. Here, here's a very sound definition of meek. Meekness is patience in the reception of injuries. It is neither meanness nor a surrender of our rights nor cowardice, but it is the opposite of sudden anger, of malice, of long-harbored vengeance. Meekness is a reception of injuries with a belief that God will vindicate us. Meekness produces peace. It is proof of true greatness of soul. It comes from a heart too great to be moved by little insults. It looks upon those who offer them with pity. So when people talk about you, when people say mean things about you, when people insult you, you take a step back and you say, Lord, I'm going to bite my tongue spiritually in you. And I'm not going to take vengeance myself, but I'm going to let you move 
through me, through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's someone here today that you need to make things right with someone. That you're, you've been going, there's, there's malice, there's anger, there's all kinds of things. Vengeance is not yours. Vengeance is his. He wants you to let go and let God. So that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's exactly what happens with God. The third thing, meekness comes with an honest and true view of ourselves. I absolutely love this point. I absolutely love this point. And the reason for it is when we really look at ourselves honestly, we say there's a lot of work that needs to be done. You know, it's easy for us to say, God, I've sinned against you. I, I know what I've done is bad. It's easy for us to say to ourselves, I, I, I'm mourning over my sin. Look at the progression. Blessed are those who mourn. I'm mourning over my sin. I've been so bad. It's a lot more difficult for us to receive someone tell us, hey, you're really messing up. Someone comes and tells you, you're nothing but a sinner. What do you want to do? I'm going to punch you in the face. God can tell you you're a sinner. And you'll say you're right. You can say you're a sinner and you'll say, I'm, I'm right. I'm a sinner. Someone comes and tells you you're no good for nothing sinner. You're going to say, come on. Right? I love, again, how, how Martin Lloyd-Jones put it. He said, what then is meekness? I think we can sum it up this way. Meekness is essentially a true view of oneself, expressing itself in attitude and conduct with respect to others. It is therefore two things. It is my attitude toward myself, and it is an expression that in my relationship with others. Meekness always comes with a rejection to try to defend ourselves. We reject the reality that we're going to say, I don't care what they say. I'm, I'm not like that, right? The reality, I think it's very beneficial for all of us when people say things to us, and I'm talking to myself right now, or let me put it another way, the Lord's speaking to me right now. When people ridicule me and they say things about me, it's probably a good thing for me to take a step back and say, Lord, instead of me talking back and, and defending myself, let me receive whatever is true. And let me submit myself to your will. And I want for you to change me into the likeness of your son. Amen. Do you know that when Jesus was on trial, that he never said anything back? You notice that? Have you noticed that sometimes when we, uh, we, we try to defend ourselves about things and, and it, it usually doesn't do any good, you're saying, no, I'm not like that, it's not like that. The reality is sometimes people have their minds made up. If you haven't done anything wrong, you don't have to defend yourself. God will. If you have done something wrong, fess up. You'll feel much better. Amen? And so it, it, that's what meekness does in every one of us. Here's the thing. I love the way that Paul said it. Uh, he said, when we have an honest evaluation, uh, even our greatest accomplishments mean nothing. This is what he said in uh, Philippians 3.8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I can gain Christ. All of my accomplishments, all of my accolades, I have counted those things as garbage 
so that I can know Christ. You're defending yourself with people. You're saying you're wrong, I'm right. It's all garbage instead of letting Jesus be the Lord of your life. Amen? Let him, him, him be glorified in your life. Be, I, I think about this with Paul. Before he came to Christ, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He said, look at me. Look at what I've done. I will chase more Christians. I will imprison them. But after he came to Christ, he said this, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. You hear that? When the world comes at us, there's someone in here that the world's been coming at you, coming at your character, coming at you. They can't, they can't get you. You're in Christ. You're in, the way that you react is going to reveal that Christ is in you. If you retaliate in, in your flesh, if you say mean things, you're going to regret the things that you've said because it's not going to bring glory to Jesus. You humble yourself. You humble yourself. You become meek and let God be glorified. Now, you cannot do it in your own strength. You do it through the supernatural power of God. Pastor, how do I apply this? Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in an honest evaluation of yourself and then be encouraged through what Christ has already done for you and what he is going to do in your life. I think that is the greatest thing we could ever do. Take an honest evaluation of who you are and let God work in you and let him be glorified. I was, uh, uh, we had a, a Bible study. My wife, uh, Shauna, leads our student ministry and she has a Bible study with the leaders. And so we had uh, a weekly, this weekly Bible study this past week and, and about eight, ten leaders. And one of the, the student leaders that was there said, uh, I just want prayer this year for my school year. And we asked, well, what do you want us to pray for? And she said, I just want you to pray that I will have a good year. And then she took a step back and she said, well, I don't want you to pray that I have a good year. I want you to pray that I have a God year. I want you to pray that my school year will be filled with God being glorified through everything I do. You see, she became meek. She became humble. And she said, it's not about me. It's about him. I love the way that William Booth put it. William Booth uh, is the founder of the Salvation Army. And he said this. He said, the greatness of the man or woman's power is a measure of his surrender. You want to be powerful in the name of God? Surrender yourself to his will. Surrender yourself to his guidance, his direction. Quit trying to do it in your own ability, and God will be glorified. Submit yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit. Number four, last one. Meekness produces in every believer a true sense of being satisfied. When you humble yourself, you will find true satisfaction. One of the... Um, Greatest verses in the Bible is one of the most misapplied verses in the Bible. You know what that verse is? I can do all things through Christ 
Who strengthens me? So people will say that for everything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the Apostle Paul, when he said it, in the context, and I'm going to show you the context in a little bit, he was not saying, I can do all things. I can climb Mount Everest today. He's not saying, I can do a triathlon today without training. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, whatever season that I'm in, I can submit myself to God and do it through Jesus Christ. Here's the context, okay? Verses 11 and 12, right before 13, it says, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or little. It takes the meekness of God. It takes the humility of God for us to be content with where God has us. If you're rich, no, let me, say, let me even say it a different way. You will always be rich in Christ, no matter how much money you have in your account, when you understand how amazing he is. The Apostle Paul said, I have learned the secret of being happy because my happiness is based on being satisfied with whatever I have. I'm going to end now. There's two more scriptures, and they're in your, in your, uh, in your notes, and I want you guys to, to look at those because they're wonderful scriptures. How do I apply this last point, Pastor? What do I do? Allow the Holy Spirit to develop in you a great appreciation and contentment for all that you have in your life. Many of us in here, we have maybe parents or husbands or loved ones that are going through illness. Some hospitalized, some in care homes. Many of us are going through different circumstances. Some of us have lost loved ones. But whatever season you're in life, learn to be satisfied in Christ. Learn to be content in his goodness. Let us not be the kind of people that when things are going really well for us, that we're gloating and we're, we're proud, but when we're in the, in the valleys, we're complaining. Let us be the kind of people that are meek and humble and say, Lord, no matter what comes my way, no matter what you throw and allow to happen in my life, I will always be happy if you're with me. If Christ is with us. There's no one that can be against us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us as far as being content and satisfied in his love and in his peace. Let's pray. God, Thank you. Thank you for showing me that true happiness comes through a gentle spirit. I confess that I am incapable of developing this meek spirit in my own power.
Lord, today I submit my will to yours. And I trust in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to produce in me a gentle and humble, considerate, and courteous life. I will give you all the glory as your will is done in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.